Welcome to the Community Pilot Podcast with me, Sergey Generalov. On the show, we invite community leaders to share their experience and reveal the insights of the community building through their inspiring stories. Today, Galina Fedorova is here to join me. Galina is a serial and social entrepreneur and a co-founder at Goodler, a donation platform that connects local needs with local resources to maximize humanitarian action. She will share her experience and tell us why local communities need a systematic approach to solve their problems. We will talk about why our approach to teach young people needs to change and how Goodler Foundation is trying to teach younger generation of entrepreneurs and inspire them to become a part of a solutions through Social Innovation Youth Incubator. Let's get started. Galina, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you for inviting me. And I want to get started today by asking, how do you make your way into the inspiring world of uh, social entrepreneurship? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And um, we did. I didn't put myself into a social entrepreneurship world intentionally. And uh, that time when I started my a journey on a, a working journey, let's say in the labor market and there was no such a thing as a social uh-huh. entrepreneurship and um, I was always uh, interested in um, helping people and uh, creating um, environment where people can thrive whether it would be helping um, with uh, just basically covering the basic needs of people or working with them on their leadership development or helping them to learn how to overcome challenges better. So it was never a desire to create, uh, let's say, one solution, more like it was an idea to just always looking for ways how I can help people around me. And uh, actually, when I uh, graduated from from college, it was not uh, a desire to to be part of the company that would actually uh, do something like that. And and I, my journey was not to make money by helping people. It was the two totally separate things. I would uh, work and make money, and then I would, on my spare time, uh, do different um, uh, projects. So it started like a hobby for you, basically. It's not a, maybe not a hobby, but a way of life. Like without that, it would not, my life would not be fulfilled. So by helping other people, I was helping myself pretty much. Yeah. And then um, at a certain point, uh, there were more and more ways how they were, my uh, day job was weaved into my work with people. And um, that's what led us to create a Goodler. So what was this moment for you when you like, okay, it's time for me to start my own company and it's going to be a company that is uh, going to help people. And you decided, okay, I'm calling myself a social entrepreneur. I don't even think that I call myself social entrepreneur. And the desire to start the company came out of our desire to create a sustainable business that whose mission is is to uh, to help people and uh, it would not have happened if it was not for my sister moving to the united states and us starting to 
verbalize our desires for life and uh, our plans and for future and for ourselves and people around us. And she is a a big visionary person. So her visions are larger than this uh, planet. And um, (laughs) being around her uh, allowed me to start thinking bigger and um, get outside of my comfort zone and start pushing myself into uh, areas that otherwise I wouldn't have thought of uh, getting into. And uh, it kind of coincided with the whole movement of um, social entrepreneurship. I still don't think that's the the right uh, definition of it, but I guess for the lack of... um, any better word that could be the definition that we can use. Yeah, I used it only because I think it's either on your LinkedIn profile or maybe it's on uh, your sister's uh, Tatiana's profile is um, says that a uh, social entrepreneur uh, from um, 2012 or something like this. Mm-hmm. Speaking about LinkedIn, I know that uh, based on LinkedIn, you you went to Stanford to do like a one-year special program there on a social entrepreneurship as well. Was it before or after you decided to start a Goodler? And uh, how did it, like, did it help you to understand this field better? Or like, would you do it again? Uh, Go to the special program. I think the most important thing of that particular program or programs as such uh, that are designed for professionals are the benefit of those programs is in uh, being able to connect with people like-minded people who chose mm-hmm. chose the program for themselves and it's not really even talking to the faculty per se or the program in itself but the ability to network with people around mm-hmm. um, the common <clears throat> around common educational uh, program so it was not the program itself I think that helped me but the connections that were made because you can find information and you can you know find those professors outside of the of the college but it's the group of people that comes together and the college provided the opportunity to actually for us to talk to each other. I see. Um, okay, so basically they put you in the same room with the, like uh, re- really smart people. And the, the real benefit is that they connect you with these people and they give you like a common topic to discuss. And this brings you to invent new ideas, uh, solve the problems. Uh, that's the real benefit that you saw. But you would say that the same knowledge, you're saying that the same knowledge you can get in the, internet uh, from the professors without going to these programs yeah that's um, that's a right s- statement <laughs> yeah, I, I think <laughs> okay, it's uh, uh, how you find I think for people especially those who are not in Silicon Valley and don't have the access to people who do the same things you know people from smaller cities uh, areas where that are not saturated with entrepreneurs in general, this program could be a very, very beneficial because because of that connections that they can create. Here in Silicon Valley, I think we're so spoiled because we have access to people, we have access to resources, we have access to professors. We are 
we're overwhelmed with the choices that we can make. So for, I think for, for me being here, part of the uh, entrepreneurial communities through my sister's work with um, Ambar Association and uh, also with the Silicon Valley Open Doors Conference, there are tons of other conferences. You can actually have, if you organize yourself in a, in a certain way, you can get that knowledge. You don't really need to go to a specific program per se. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, but let's uh, switch to uh, like your company, Goodler. So as you said, being in Silicon Valley, I mean, it's a center of entrepreneurial activity. And uh, like you decided, being there, you decided to start Goodler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not a regular startup because you don't pursue the profits. I mean, as I understand, it's a for-profit company, but it's not like you don't try to be the next Uber, right? Can you tell us more about the Goodler and like why, um, what are you actually doing? Like, What is Goodler? Yeah. When we started Goodler, the idea was to connect people with people who need help, like people in um, underserved communities and uh, people who are in extreme poverty with the resources to cover their basic needs. And that was a main premise. And we thought that bringing those people resources that are locally sourced would solve uh, the problems in uh, communities because it will help the economies to grow. Let's say in comparison to Tom's shoes, where shoes were brought from outside of the country and they kill uh, shoe industry in many places. That's just like one of the examples. But Um, There are multiple examples like that where food aid comes during harvest time to the country and uh, killing the whole agriculture in that particular area and many, many other examples. So our goal was to connect local needs with local resources. And we were successful after the three years ago, after the earthquake in Nepal, where we were able to connect donors in the United States and Europe with merchants in Nepal who, after the earthquake, purchased all the rice from those merchants and the merchants delivered the the rice to the area of the disaster. And after that, we got um, accolades from uh, international community. We were invited to be part of the World Humanitarian Summit in Turkey. It's by invitation-only event. And um, we're invited to the United Nations and everything was great until we realized that in many places um, where we wanted to be and help, the local resources were not readily available and they were not available in um, quantities that um, were required to cover the needs of these communities. And um, we had to take a step back and um, revisit our idea and um, Mm -hmm. think again on how we can make it happen and that's why we started Goodler Foundation um, because we also saw that entrepreneurial movement in the area in those areas where communities wanted to create their own resources the entrepreneurial movement was not connected to local needs it was just Uh, something separate that was happening in those communities and people were creating businesses um, that the goods that were made were Mm -hmm. 
looking for outside markets to be sold versus creating uh, businesses around local needs. And um, that was not happening. So we created Goodler Foundation. So you're saying that basically you found this problem with the philanthropy disrupting the local economies. And you decided to solve this problem by connecting the uh, donors with local entrepreneurs. You successfully did this with Nepal. Uh, mm-hmm. But my assumption was that like, when you were talking is that there are not enough entrepreneurs locally, so you will not be able to scale in, in case of the need. But what you're saying is there are entrepreneurial movements. There are enough entrepreneurs, but they are not looking for local problems. They are looking to uh, sell on a global market. They don't try to solve problems of their local communities. Is it is it right? Yeah, that's that's what it is. And we were looking at the local, not necessarily entrepreneurs to collect them, connect them to uh, to donors. We we're looking at just at the existing businesses. And we found that there are not enough resources available to cover local needs. And then there there is a like there is a movement, entrepreneurial movement in those areas because uh, there are not enough jobs. So governments put a lot of energy into entrepreneurship, but unfortunately, it's it's not entrepreneurship that uh, that is set to cover local needs. Um, so, for example, there will be Companies will come into the area, they will teach everybody how to do plumbing. And these people from that village would have to, because there are not enough plumbing jobs in the area, they will move to the capital and uh, create a whole um, slew of different problems because of that that movement. And um, there will be um, women that will decide that they will be making jam when there is no market for jam in the area so they will be looking at how they can make a good enough jam which will take years to master and so that they can sell it outside of the country i see and uh, instead their bread is needed in the area and they could have started the bakery but they did not look into covering local uh, local needs they were looking more for how they can make money and start the business we were thinking even, you know, the companies that come to the area to teach technical skills. A lot of times these technical skills, once um, they are taught, the actually the employer of these people is outside of the country. So if, for example, Google decides that they no longer want to hire those coders that they just trained because of the political situation in the country, the whole village will have no jobs. So what they have the skills, but they have no no employer who will pay them for their skills. And um, so our goal is to not just to teach people how to fish, but teach them what to do with that fish. <laughs> yes, that's a great analogy. So you're saying is that even if local governments uh, create programs, provide funds, and try to give people a freedom of entrepreneurship and uh, like facilitate and force them to start their own businesses and companies. But eventually people don't know the basics of problem solving and the design thinking that we kind of here in Silicon Valley all f- familiar with. Like we already burned a lot of problems and we understand that the 
finding the right problem and working on the right problem is more important than the solution. Is it uh, what you're trying to now address this kind of problem that people just don't familiar, people are not familiar with this kind of design thinking approach? Actually, we talking about design thinking. Design thinking is just one small part of a larger, larger picture. Uh And um, what we are trying to do is to help people to analyze their, their own communities and um, see who is doing what and how these problems are being solved and try to find a sustainable solution, which is a business, a for-profit type of solution. Actually, if they wanted to start another non-profit type of solution, uh, that's fine as well, or advocacy group, that's uh, that's perfectly fine. But we're taking it, we take a broader view than just... uh, let's say human centered design or design thinking because it does not take into consideration many other factors like okay if you want to help this particular group of people and you focus with your solution on that particular group of people the design thinking does not allow you to think about the changes that are happening because of your action and um, there is no focus on that. You're just focusing on helping solely that sole group. So you're talking about systematic approach, yes, right? Yeah, the I systems see. changes. We're talking about um, multiple stakeholders that have to be taken into consideration. We're looking at the changing environment uh, while you're creating your own solution. And um, while it's all good to to cover the needs of uh, specific uh, customers and beneficiaries, it's as important to pay attention to what's happening around you while you're doing so and see that people are not harmed by your solution. Other people are not harmed. Industries or, you know, whole country is not harmed by what you're trying to bring. And, um, we think of you know any social issue cannot be solved by competing. It, it can only be solved by collaborating with others. So it's a little bit different approach than a silic- your regular Silicon Valley um, methodologies teach. Yeah. Right. So can you give me examples? I know that you guys recently made a few trips to different countries. There was a Zambia and uh, Jordan. Why did you choose those countries? And can you tell me more about your projects there? How do everything is related? Yeah, so Tatiana went to Zambia because she has friends there and she had an opportunity to to visit uh, the country and uh, meet with a um, large number of people there who are trying to get the country out of um out of poverty and they do understand that they are on this uh, NGO needle right now, dependent goods and um, services that come from outside of the country. And they desperately want to get off that needle and to be self-sustainable. And um, Tatiana spent um, a lot of time there uh, trying to, together with people of Zambia, try to figure out the way how that can happen and um, we have an agreement right now have created a partnership with zambian open community schools that 
um, that we're working with right now that where we are not just covering their needs, immediate needs that that they have, but also teaching people within the communities where those uh, schools located to create businesses around those needs that that is not just one-time solution, but actually um, local the whole community can um, can grow in their abilities to solve their own problems. So that's the project in Zambia, mm-hmm. and then uh, our product i mean our project in uh, jordan it's a little bit different but but it's still connected um, as i was mentioning about the entrepreneurial movement and um that was that was uh, different from uh, the movement that would cover the needs of local communities our goal is to train young people in in on the college level uh, to look into the the opportunities to use their knowledge that they're getting in while in college, not to necessarily just to get a job and create for themselves economic um, prosperity, but take that job, uh, take that knowledge and uh, turn it into helping the communities to thrive while they're helping themselves and creating the opportunities for themselves. And so we, um, our project in um, in Jordan is with in partnership with Harvard University that uh, cares about the mental health of Syrian refugees who are right now studying at, in Jordan. And um, our goal is to embed entrepreneurship and innovation training into the existing courses. So by the time the students graduate, they they will be able to create businesses that will cover the needs of their communities. So this is more of um, how do you teach entrepreneurship now without really calling it an entrepreneurship because that's a scary name for countries and fragile states. You know, Not many want to go into entrepreneurship because there is a stigma in those countries that these jobs are not stable, that you, right. you will yes. fail and um, and everybody doesn't have economic prosperity. That's what they want. They want a stable job that they can they can live a life that is economically prosperous. Right. As the countries are unstable, they want to minimize the risk. Exactly. And uh, they just uh, everyone from older people, parents. Everyone tells their kids that you need to find a stable job, preferably sure. preferably with the government. And yes. entrepreneurship is a crazy thing. So, like, is it why you started the Youth Summit and um, you try to teach kids to how to take risks, how to be entrepreneurs, and how to approach systematic, systematically those problems and help their local communities and local countries? Yeah, the summit was is a means for us to tell the world about the work we do and what we believe in and um, have a large audience of young people from from United States. Right now, it's an U.S. summit, but in the future, we hope that it will become a, an international summit. And uh, the, what we've learned, and it's a very interesting thing, actually, to uh, pay attention to, the kids go to kindergarten and the parents, you know, take 
very uh, big care in what kindergarten the kids are going to go to, especially here in Silicon Valley. It's like, what school are you going to go to? Is it private school, yeah. public school, where you live? You have to move to the neighborhood where schools are good. And it seems like the sole purpose of that is to get eventually get into a good high school and the purpose of getting in a good high school is to get into a good college and the purpose of getting into a good college is so that you can get a good job which will create a prosperity in your life and uh, you'll be able to live uh, comfortably so that you in the future can create a stable retirement for yourself. So if right. you think like that, it seems like we go to a kindergarten to uh, secure for ourselves a stable retirement. And uh, in the process, we, we miss all these years where the, we can explore, where we can reflect where we can uh, see how we fit in this world. The kids, in uh, at least in Silicon Valley, and those kids that we work with are high-energy, high-driven, achieving, achieving type of kids. They don't have time to reflect. And in fact, many of them, in uh, starting in a kindergarten, if it's a, a high-profile school, they see each other as a competition. Um, when they get in a high school, they say that all these kids around me will be applying to the same colleges and they see each other as a competition. It's uh, quite interesting. And um, we are trying to change the mentality and helping kids to reflect more on where they stand in this world and what they try to, to accomplish and where they can fit the best and what their strengths are. We also added compassionate uh, training to our programs. We believe that compassion for yourself, being able to receive compassion, um, mm -hmm. will uh, uh, will teach those kids to be able to give, be compassionate, and be able to give to the world. Yeah, I think this problem that you describes is uh, is actually like crazy one. I have a friend, uh, and I think. He was telling me that like you even getting his kid to preschool is quite competitive. He needs to like be able to count to 50 and know what's the hexagon is and just crazy things. And so how do you actually uh, teach kids to have the compassion, to have like a classes? How does it work? Because Summit, as I understand, is just an event that uh, you bring people. It's a two days event, like a conference, essentially. But how do you train the kids and teach them? Uh, is there some kind of a longer program that you have or you plan to do? Yeah, we run a Social Innovation Youth Incubator. And this is the program. We have a program three months. We have six months. And uh, those kids that uh, stay with us for both six months and three months, we provide them with uh, assistance in between. So that becomes like um, 10 months or a year a program and uh, we partnered with uh, we do everything in collaboration with other with other people so for compassionate training we partnered with bright city and uh, professor daniel martin he teaches at um, cali's bay and stanford 
And um, it's a peer-to-peer mentoring uh, program where uh, youth online able to get through lessons. There's nobody who is teaching them. They teach each other and they go through a ses- a gr- a different lessons. And um, we believe that it's a highly effective because they get to talk to each other, learn about each other, and also learn about themselves in the process because there's a, there are a lot of questions um, that they would have to answer there that requires them to reflect on their own emotions and their own lives. And um, yeah, so that's that's where we work with our youth. We also provide them with uh, strengths-based leadership development training so they get to reflect a lot yes yeah i just i almost envy i i wish when i was a kid i had such a program uh but uh as i understand this is uh something that you doing right now in silicon valley but you plan to kind of expand it to other places as well if somebody is listening to this podcast and they want to partner with you and uh, do something like this in their country what would be the best way to to contact you or reach you? Is it something that you're ready to expand to other countries and places, or is it still in the progress? Yeah, our our goal is to partner with uh, highly motivated entities, and um, that's where our projects usually uh, go. Is if we find a partner that is highly motivated and uh, willing to work. We are not trying to sell our programs to anybody. We believe in what we do and in our mission. And um, our, if you are the partner who has the same mission and you would like to partner with us, so we can definitely discuss it. Our program at Harvard University with Harvard University at uh, Zarka University in Jordan is one of the examples of that program. The Zarka University is highly... Um, uh, motivated to be able to graduate uh, job creators and um, not only that they are highly motivated to create uh, to graduate job creators who are able to uh, tackle the needs of their communities and um, we uh, in partnership with um, with them that's what we are trying to achieve is to make sure that People who graduate from college, they're not suffering by not being able to find jobs and and, uh, getting into depression and creating more issues for the local governments. But their mental state is such that they believe in themselves, they take on challenges, and they're able to move um, this world in a better place. Um, The same thing, our goal is for Zambian, that's uh, the Zambia Open Community Schools are a great partner. They're very interested in um, in working with us. And these are the type of partnerships we're looking for. And in the U.S., we, we are partnering with high schools and uh, colleges and offering uh, practitioners' uh, view on entrepreneurship. So, like we are partnering and create, co-creating a class, a social innovation class at Menlo College in, Ather- in Atherton. Uh, we also taught one of the sessions at the Design Technology School in, um, in the area. So we are you know, interested in working with others. Yeah. 
you're quite active. I think the amount of stuff that you guys are doing is just uh, amazing. I'm so happy that I had you on the show today. And uh, I think with this note, I just wanted to wrap up with the quick fire firearm questions. If you don't mind, I just mm-hmm. ask you a sh- short question and you have 30 seconds or less okay. uh, to answer. Uh, I mean, if you take more time, it's fine. <laughs> um, so let me start. What is uh, your favorite book or what would uh, you recommend me to read next? Um, the book, I actually read nonfiction. At least um, that's what uh, has been um Uh, on my mind right now i read a lot of nonfiction books and i try to read um, the books that are not in um, in the field that i know or uh, the field that will where i'm at right now so one of those books that i read and i think that that is one of the best books i've ever read actually and it's called uh, the gene an intimate story and uh, this is about the gene Uh, genome and it has a lot of history in it i would highly recommend to anyone it's a great book uh yes i think i heard about it it was on my list to read i will try to read it next i i know this is a uh, next question can be uh you will have a you might have a really long uh answer but like do you think like philanthropy do you truly believe that philanthropy can be combined with an entrepreneurship Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's happening right now where the, a lot of companies are starting already thinking on what the benefits to the community will be from the very, very beginning. They're designed already uh, with the premise of changing the world for better. And um, I think it will, um, smart philanthropy is where you're not just pouring money on a problem, but actually you stop and think on how that can happen on a more you educate yourself about the problem and you are doing it more systemic way i think it's already happening it's um, and, and it will continue to grow this movement and my last question what would you recommend uh, for someone who wants to be an entrepreneur and they in like a small village let's say in russia they just have access to internet they everyone tells them to be um go work for government or like a local bank but they want to change something in their life and in their world what would you like some simple thing that you would recommend them to do to start with I would recommend is to try to connect with uh, local people whom they can learn from because it's um it to, it to me is um being part of the community like-minded people is extremely important and I'm sure you can find like-minded people anywhere no matter where you at because then together you'll be able to that's how you'll be able to create a team And that's how you'll be able to innovate together and, um, and learn. Um, but another thing is to just to be able to have that allow yourself for a time to reflect and uh, learn about the local needs and local the ways that those uh, needs are being covered right now and trying to find uh, better ways. And, uh, I think the reflection and, and it's underestimated and, um, just to take time to think a lot of people don't take that time 
And that's why we have this um, like pancake solutions that everybody's copying each other. Yes, that's a, such a great uh, answer. And I think that's time for us to finish. Thank you for uh, your time, Galina. It was such a pleasure to talk to you on the show today. I think many young people will be inspired if they listen to this. At least I'm inspired already. Uh, and I hope that uh, your youth summit and uh, will be able to, you know, uh, expand yeah. because I I really wish that uh, at least in in my home country and in the places where I'm from something like this exists and I think it will change a lot of lives. Yeah, and uh, we have we announced the day for uh, the summit. It's going to be October nineteenth and twentieth at Stanford mm-hmm. University. It is in um, co-hosted by the United Nations, UNFPA, in uh, support of uh, Compact for Young People in Humanitarian Action with the group which um, Goodler is a part of at the United Nations. And uh, we also, our summer incubator, registration for the summer incubator is open and you can find information on um, goodler.org. Goodler is spelled with uh, two D's, so it's uh, G-O-O-D-D-L-E-R dot org, and you can get all the information there. Yes, for everyone who is uh, listening, we will have uh, those links on the um, description, so please uh, go check it out, and uh, thank you for listening. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Community Pod podcast. To read more about Social Innovation Youth Incubator, please see the links in the description to the podcast. Check out our previous episodes and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud. Stay tuned.